0: Man, you're way off. It's not I, a comedy. Uh, it's not a... Okay. Uh, Midweek Movie Music, which means my man Patrick is taking songs from a soundtrack of a movie and he plays those selections for us based on the songs that are played. We're supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the feature film of Midweek Movie Music, and we are lost.
1: And this is supposed to be the layup. This is the this song is the layup. I mean, this is a pretty big scene in this movie. Is it? Oh, it's not Ferris Bueller's Day Offer. All right. Can we tell you that he's talking about Huey Lewis But in this scene Is it Fletch? Do you know what movie does he Does the main character talk about Huey Lewis?
2: Oh wow I have no clue
0: Patrick Yeah oh,
1: come on This, yeah. is, this is a is. I'm very... going to the well, text line
0: No 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 I don't want to see the text line Don't do it I don't want to see it right. I don't want to see it Alright let me turn it on. I'd rather Patrick You're, give it like, to us I want put the text it in, line in there It is us.
1: not a comedy It's not a comedy thriller And all these songs It is a thriller What? Wow And he talks about Huey Lewis? Yeah he oh, like- American
0: Psycho! There you go. Oh, man, I can't believe I didn't get that. Yeah. I'm so upset with myself. <laughs> I would have never got oh. it, guys.
1: Like I would have never about got
0: about Huey Lewis, he talks about Lewis I, right you know, before he you know kills what, the guy. And you know what got me? I was like, "What psychopath is talking about?" I was like, "Psychopath!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at my. Head, I was like, "What psychopath is talking about?" <laughs> Huey Lewis in the movie, and it's how uh, thriller you gave. Okay, that gave me. I, I kept thinking comedy.
1: Yeah, no, because that's of the that's movie. I knew that it was going to throw you off because
0: it is kind of a dark. comedy.
1: It is kind of a dark comedy, and the the, the, the soundtrack sounds like it's an eighties comedy. Wow,
0: that was magnificent! I'm going to stand up, Patrick, and give <laughs> it. Right. You're right, man. I had no clue. And that is such a great movie. Christian Bale's, that is his breakout performance. Yeah. That's when the world gets to know Christian Bale. Oh, magnificent. And you're right. The soundtrack has got to be good. Because his musical taste is so specific. Yeah. Oh, well done. All right. We're, so not, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. So we're in, not that, worthy. in the
1: movie, when he's got hit, the guy drugged and on the chair, yes. he's, he's <laughs> like, have you ever heard of, have you ever, do you listen to much Huey Lewis? And, he and, he puts it out. Out. and then he starts telling about how great Huey Lewis oh. is while he's like sharpening an axe. No, I'm <laughs> talking about oh like, goodness. he gets into, he's like
0: uh, he's like a music snob. Yeah. So he gets deep into Huey like, Lewis. I would have
2: never gotten that because number one. Uh, one I hadn't seen American Psycho.
0: You never seen American Psycho? No. You should watch it. I don't do those. What you mean? I'm not. What's a, those? I'm not I'm not, I'm
2: not a thriller type of movie. Oh, okay. I like comedies. I like the laugh. It is.
0: It is a dark comedy, technically. Technically, it's a dark. I like. I like bright. Just, I like
2: bright comedies. Yeah. I don't yeah, want yeah. it to it's be a, too dark. It's a
0: dark. Yeah. comedy. It's probably one of the darkest comedies in in the history of American film. But it, it's still technically it, it it's comedic. Okay. Like, he, they're literally, like, I think most of the moments in it are considered to be supposed to be comedic. Okay. But you got to have a sinister I, sense I, of humor. I don't have
2: that sick since no, ahead. no.
0: Well done, Patrick. That's good. That was fantastic. I'm like, what the hell? I know all the songs, and I was like, I know these scenes, and he's right. I should have known that scene. I'm disappointed in myself. Yep. Uh, so Sahar, you had no shot. This is on me. Zero. That's on me. The disappointment's on me. I apologize. I was trying
2: every other thing to think of. <laughs> Weird I, science. I was trying the,
0: to think Well, uh, the best hint was that it's not a comedy, and we were yeah. all going comedy for some reason. Because we because liked, of the music. And It is kind of a comedy because yeah. of the music, but yeah, that's a great point. All right. Uh, Specs text line. 512 Seven seven six. That is the number to the Specs text line. Uh, you can always hit us up via Twitter as well. Patrick is at it's Patrick Davis in Twitterverse, the real MVP. Uh, and my man Harj is at Harbball Harj. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. All right, let's get right to it because Adam Schefter, he was on NFL Live and said something, dropped a bit of a bombshell on people, and I'll give Patrick some credit. He threw this out there uh, a couple of months ago as a possible theory as to one of the uh, one of the options for the Texans with the number two overall pick. And essentially it involved them passing on the quarterback position at the number two overall pick and going defense. Well, now Adam Schefter is now jumping on that bandwagon and saying that it is not a guarantee as the Texans are going to take a quarterback with the number two overall pick. Here's Adam Schefter on NFL Live.
3: What do you think their plans are from what you're hearing? Well, we're trying to figure it out. But again, I think there's a lot of conflicting signals and
1: information out there about what Houston is going to do at two. And I think a lot of people have assumed it's just going to be a quarterback. And in the end, I'm just not convinced just yet that that's going to be the case. Now, I do think that we have Bryce Young slated to be the favorite number one Carolina. Then Houston's on the clock. And what does Houston do? And it becomes interesting if Houston decides to auction off that pick to somebody who wants to come up and trade for a quarterback at number 2 or whether Houston wants to go with a quarterback of its own or whether Houston wants to go with one of the top defensive players all I'm saying is I don't think it's a lock that Houston is going quarterback at 2 that's all I love I'm it. saying Adam, Ooh, it's amazing. Adam, we keep talking petty. about
3: number three, but we got six teams or maybe more trying to get to number three. Why not get to number two if the Texans are shopping exactly. it? I love it. We exactly. have a lot more coming your way on NFL Live.
0: <sighs> okay. It looks like the Texans. My man took a deep breath. <laughs> it looks like it's a possible No, because Patrick mentioned it as just doing research and just kind of scuttlebutt that he's heard Lance Zerline, Recently, also threw it out there, and this is a guy that's plugged in down there in H Town, and also works for NFL.com too. And then now you got Adam Schefter on it. The closer we get to the draft, now I'm hoping it's just silly season, and they're just throwing this stuff out there. Um, and and, and I and I will say also, and we'll talk about it too coming up because I think Mike Lombardi gets into it a little bit when he's talking about C.J. Stroud. Uh, But the Texans have been pretty tight-lipped. There's not a lot of information coming out about what the Texans are going to do. So maybe these guys are reaching. But if you're going to pass on quarterback at the number 2 overall pick, and that doesn't mean they're not going to get a quarterback in this draft. Lance Erline, this mock draft, has them passing on a quarterback at number 2 and then trading back up to get Will Levis, I believe, in his last mock draft there too. Um, And I think Patrick's theory was next year. QB um, draft right that would be the focus if yeah. they don't pass it they go next year yeah. top of that draft um and that could also happen too here's if they're going to do it um, and i'm not I'm not going to totally dismiss the idea as a Texans fan. I think they should go quarterback I think it would be the right thing to do but if they're if they're not going to go quarterback because and maybe they're not going to go quarterback because they love Bryce young and they, they like B- CJ Stroud they don't love cJ Stroud I'm not going to get on them because hey man if you you've done your research. And it tells you there's a a a, a distance the separation between those two quarterbacks, um, then you know what go with your evaluation. If you want to go with next year's draft or you want to go with a quarterback lower in the draft, but you gotta get maximum value for that number two overall pick. You need to be trying to get multiple early round picks or multiple first round picks in the future, or even in this draft. For that number one overall pick. Now you already got two in this draft and two in next year's draft.
2: I think it should be for next year's draft. I think you well, try definitely... to get
0: three in next year's draft or you know, try to get more, I think it's pick? next
2: year's draft okay. that you try to go get the most out well, of it. I that's because you, you don't do it. know. I mean, if you're gonna walk away from <clears throat> Stroud, let's just say Stroud is gonna end up being the guy that is sitting there for number two. Let's just say that. Why is it that you're gonna go back out there and tank again? I don't understand it. Is that because you just want to – are you going to try to go get somebody else and you think Davis Mills can lead you to a decent number? I don't think so because you would have did that before. Is this the new organization taking over the thought process of saying, we're going to do this a different way? I don't know. And that's the other part that I don't get is like you work so hard at being so bad so you (laughs) could be at this point. Like how many
0: You screwed how you, up the tank of though. You, you screwed it up. You you messed it up all the way around. Yeah. Cuz this is why you are here That's why it. you're here. We shouldn't even be having this conversation. Exactly. Yeah. You you failed,
2: you failed. miserably yes. at failing miserably. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> because you that's wanted good. this guy at number 1. That's good. And you went out there and let it you made yourself hmm. fall to number 2. Mm. so now you're going to do it again to your fans? They weren't there last year. They weren't there for you last year. And then you go out and you're talking about, we're about to make this move. Do you want to see – does D'Amico Ryans want to go through a year after being with a very successful organization in the 49ers? You're playing to get to the Super Bowl year after year, and now all of a sudden you're coming to the Texans and you're not even going to get the quarterback that you
1: that, – is
2: there for you because I, there's no guarantees for next year either. Well,
1: no, and I, I but I'll tell you this: I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at another quarterback in the draft, and they want to move back and take that quarterback later. Now the problem is if that quarterback is well Levis, then you probably can't move back further than four and still get to him. guarantee you getting your guy. So it that makes it where this trade to trade the number two pick away becomes way harder because you can only really move back a spot or two. And those guys don't necessarily, like Arizona doesn't want to move up. They want to move out too. So you'd have to work a three-team deal to switch with Arizona and then a third team comes in because Indy ain't talking to you because they're in your division and they want a QB. But I could believe that if we know Bobby Slowett came up with Kyle Shanahan and we know Kyle Shanahan has certain proclivities in picking quarterbacks, they might like Will Levis.
0: Uh, I remember before the draft. But you remember, can't get a project
1: at that point. I, no, I, I agree. I agree. But, I'm just saying this. Could yeah, be. I could
0: got you. I got you. No, no, no. To, to Patrick's point, remember before the draft, there was a report even from Chris Sims, who I know personally is a really good friend of Kyle Shanahan, like I I am as well. He said that Matt Jones was where Kyle Shanahan wanted to go, and that he had to kind of be talked out of Matt Jones. Into the Trey Lance. I like,
2: I would have, I would have, Mac Jones would have been perfect for that. Because he's better.
0: Because Shannon's like, all I need is a guy that's going to manage the game really well. My offense will do the rest. Right. So there is that report. And remember, we know the Shanahan clan favored Kirk Cousins over RG3. The ownership of the Washington team, Snyder, wanted them to go with RG3. And they were like, okay, we'll do what you want. We're going to do what we want in the fourth round. And mm-hmm. they drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. So, yeah, the Shanahan clan, they have had, at least history tells us, they do have a type they like at QB. Mm. And maybe he's part of that, and if that is the case, then maybe Will Levis fits that a little bit better as kind of the more prototypical pocket passer more so. It's Stroud he eats it's a-
2: the cover of bananas, too.
0: And puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Yeah. He's off my list. That's <laughs> right. you, can't he, be, you can't be my franchise quarterback. He would be perfect for American Psycho. No, no, that's a great point. You're, you're eating the bananas with the peel, with the banana peel still on. What is wrong with you? And, and it was brown. It was softer. On. It was the And softer you're putting version. mayonnaise in your coffee? <laughs> yeah. First of all, if that's just a bit, bad bit. <laughs> if you're that's if you're starving for attention to that extent, you can't be my franchise oh quarterback. My and I'll I'll throw this out there too, because there's a great I don't know if you guys watch Secession on HBO. I've not, not, It it's one of the probably top five best move best shows on television right now. It's really, really good. Um, but there's a scene a couple of weeks ago, not trying to spoil anything, it's not gonna spoil anything, but there's a line from the dad a couple of weeks ago, um, talking to his kids in the in the show, and he just says, you know, he's I love you guys, but you are not serious people. And I feel like that about Will Levis. Yeah. Like I feel like he's got a lot to like, but I don't feel like I don't think Will Levis is really a serious person. And by I don't all want to accounts, my franchise around Will Levis. Like, so, by okay, all accounts, he's been terrible in the interviews. Yeah, he's got a, some Drew Locke in him. I like you that. I a little bit I that like too. that. Like, you're not serious. Enough. There's nothing wrong with you going to have some fun. That's great. I love it. It's all good. But I need, I don't need to build my franchise around someone who's not a serious person. All no. right, let me ask you this.
1: <laughs> you, you have a girl back over at the house. Best night of your life. Everything's great. You wake up in the morning. She's like, you want to make some coffee? And then you watch her put mayonnaise in the coffee and eat <laughs> a banana with it on. How fast are you calling the police on this woman?
3: Exactly. That's a deal hey, there's breaker. The, there's
1: someone crazy in my house. <laughs> yeah. Trust this woman.
0: That, no matter how hot she is, she could be a yeah. nine and a half, a ten. You're like, man, I got to rethink this thing. Why? She put mayonnaise in the coffee and all your friends will go, okay. All right, that's yep. fair. <laughs> yep. You do need to rethink that. She you might do. be an American psycho. Full circle. <laughs> exactly. Cycle, getting back to it. Uh, okay, so... Why? So the Texans are here for because their own, I mean, their own bad decisions, right? Uh, we're hoping rock bottom can be a trampoline for the Texans because they have hit rock bottom already, not working their way back up. But this is a Fuster cluck of a franchise for the most part, and they got a lot of issues. And the CJ Stroud conversation. So why the Texans may be this, so desperate as to to des- decide to go away from quarterback if they can't get Bryce Young, they're deciding potentially to go defense. Or to trade down. Why would they be so dissatisfied in their evaluation of CJ Stroud? So we got two bits of audio here. 1st uh, is this listen to Trey Wingo. And we have that audio, uh, Patrick, that you pulled. And this is from the 33rd. It is a, a, a website basically devoted to football. And they do a, a really good job. But Trey Wingo was on there and saying that he's got sources telling him there is something going around. I don't know what it is going around. Uh, that is dropping the draft stock of one C.J. Stroud. Uh, here is Trey Wingo.
3: I don't want to go into specifics here, but you alluded to it last week, and I did some research this week and, and talked to some people, and they said the same things. There are things in the equation, Ari, that are giving the Carolina Panthers pause about C.J. Stroud, and that
1: may be why they're leaning back towards Bryce Young.
0: Okay. So, and he didn't get into detail. Listen to the rest of the clip, and they were just, it's very vague. About what's going on. But it's the, silly, it's the scouting season, and I would say scouts are just critics. So if it's a scouting season, what do critics do? Well, they criticize. <laughs> They're critics. All right? And I think what's going on right now is you're getting the, the, the critical season, all these scouts. They tell you what's wrong with mm-hmm. a player, not necessarily what's good about a player. Hell, you can watch a player and go, oh, he's good at A, B, and C. Uh, it takes a trained eye to find out what the liabilities are in a skill set, right. and that's what a scout's job is to do. And that's why you're hearing a lot of the negative right now, more of the negative than you are hearing the positive. So Mike Lombardi, who also plugged in, um, he was on. I believe he's called it. They call it Vissen. 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 Right. That's the one I've been on before. it's a betting. Yes. Sports betting website. He was on there. It's a little bit lengthy cut, but he's talking about why the, and he gets to a lot of things here, but C.J. Stroud, stock number one, but then gets into the Texans a little bit too because everybody assumes if C.J. Stroud's there, the Texans were going to take him. Now we're thinking otherwise. Here is Mike Lombardi talking about also why the stock of C.J. Stroud may be dropping.
3: Look, I'm not sold C.J. Stroud is going number two. it's going number so that's a great question. I have not
4: heard anything with regards to the Texans other than C.J. Stroud. Like it's just—it's automatic, right? We talk. But we you say, haven't
3: heard confirmation. We say either. who's
4: going to go one, two's going to go quarterback, and then we're going to figure Everybody it out. Everybody just that.
3: assumes that Houston's taking the quarterback. C.J. Stroud's an interesting guy. When you talk to people in the league, they'll tell you C.J. Stroud is not. This is not a knock. This is just a. This is just a conversation. Not an easy guy to coach. Kind of, kind of, you know, you got to be really, he's very, uh, I think the word that people use is he's very not believing in what you're saying. And so he's a little bit challenging to coach. So it's not like he comes in and embraces it. It's a little bit, he's got a little bit different style to him. Is
4: that where it's like he thinks he knows better? He thinks he knows a little bit better. He's
3: he's probably hard to take to coach. Not saying he's not a good player. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying the vibe that you get from talking to people that have interviewed him is, He's not an easy guy to coach. And so what I've done is I've asked people, I said, you know, I heard C.J. Stroud's not an easy guy to coach. Yeah, and everybody echoes that back to you. So I'm not saying he's not a good player. I like C.J. Stroud. Would I pick him at two? I don't know. I don't know. I certainly wouldn't pick Anthony Richardson at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Stop me when I get there. (laughs) But I, I think you have to, I think if you have to understand where are they, the one thing we do know about Houston Is there is no information coming out of there. There's not confirmation of Stroud. There's not any confirmation of anything. And that's the point in the betting market because they're not saying anything. The mocks are giving them Stroud, and that's driving the line.
0: I love that. It's not a knock. There's not a knock on him, but he's not easy to coach. But it's he's like, not easy to like, coach. He <laughs> looks like, at you like you don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. What? It's like well, that, that sounds like a knock yeah, on him. but yeah. he's not easy to coach. It's but we like, like, agree. Not. There's something going around about C.J. Stroud. We just don't know exactly what it is. But you got two different insiders that played audio for you, and we can just kind of read the tea leaves. There's something. Dr- dr- if, if he's not, if his draft stock's not rising, something basically is dropping his draft stock. Yeah, yeah. some. I mean, not no right. one
1: is giving good reports on C.J. Stroud. It just isn't happening. And every other quarterback in the draft is getting them. And, and they'll talk about their faults and everything else. But C.J. Stroud, they're not saying anything. So, they're trying to throw us off the scent. Is it, you know what I
0: mean, is it misinformation because they want C.J. Stroud? Or is it the reality that, nah, man, we've done the deep dive and we've done the evaluation and he ain't it. He ain't. He's not deserving of
1: being the top guy. I don't know which one it is because this is the silly season. But it seems like even if it was like he wasn't the top guy, you'd see guys with picks five, They'll be like... Oh man, it would be great if CJ Stroud could get here and trying to, like you. It still seems like somebody would be on his side. I'm with you. And I don't know why Ryan Day hasn't come out at this point and been like, "Very good point." Hey man, Ohio State's the best, and we have good. But Ryan Day hasn't even said anything. That is a, that that's that a is great a great point. The Ryan yeah. Day thing is valid because that's his stock
0: too. Yes, his stock is tied to, to uh, you know his Stroud stock. Yep. So actually, you know what? That's you know I'm gonna look up and see if we can find anything. Than Ryan Day, said. Exactly. but it definitely has not—it has not been grabbed by the NFL publications yeah. at all.
1: I mean, we know Sark went on a media circuit this week, and he's been doing everything. Where's Ryan Day? He's, I'm sure they got a spring game coming up. That's a great point. He should mention CJ Stroud at some point. in
0: this. Yeah, CJ Stroud needs some advocates right now because that—that that stock is dropping. Perception has become reality. A couple other cuts. So, um, uh, Patrick, can you get the cuts of Nick Casario ready? Because this is something we got to address, guys. Because. I'm not really sure if now there's. I don't know in Houston. Maybe there's some disappointment. Of course, you have D'Amico Ryan's there now as the head coach, and maybe there is some disappointment in the way things have been handled from the front office side from Nick Casario. Guys, there are multiple reports now. All right, mm-hmm. and one is from John McClain. Uh, guy and John McClain is is pretty damn reliable. We all yes, yeah, you is. know John McClain really well. He's he's a Hall of Fame writer, great writer. He was on 6'10 in Houston. And he said, quote, I had someone tell me at the NFL Combine that Casario is going to return to New England after the draft. Mike Lombardi also um, said uh, recently on a podcast that uh, this was on the GM Shuffle podcast, quote, there's a longer game to be played in Houston. I think there will be some organizational changes in Houston. After the draft, I'm not saying people will be fired, but organizationally, things will be shifted. Mm. Before the combine or around the combine, uh, shout out to John Crumpler or uh, at John H. Crumpler. If you're a Texans fan, he's worth a follow. He does a really good job following the Texans. He had these clips of Nick Casario around the combine. No, sorry, take it back. It wasn't on It was actually when they when they were getting ready to hire the head coach, D'Amico Ryan's. Take that back. It was around when they hired D'Amico Ryan's. Around that time, and I think it was right before they were getting ready to hire D'Amico. They were still doing interviews with coaches, yeah. but zeroing in on D'Amico Ryan's. Right. So they hadn't hired a coach yet, but he was being asked about how things would lay out and how the organization would adapt to whoever the new head coach was. Uh, we had a couple of cuts here, but just listen to Nick Casario. And listen to how he answers the questions about the what the new organizational layout could be if a new head coach comes in and maybe wants to uh usurp some of his control.
3: If ultimately the best thing for the organization is for me not to be in that position, then you know, I have to respect that and acknowledge that. And you know, I'm certainly not above and beyond anything else. So what I've tried to do is just be consistent on a year-to-year basis, try to do what I believe is in the best interest of our team on a year and again, like I said a little bit earlier, if whomever we hire or whomever we decide upon doesn't feel that you know my role or the position that I'm in is appropriate for what we want to do moving forward, I understand that. And I can accept that. All I can do is provide counsel, and provide the resources, and provide the direction and guidance, to ownership to what I feel is best.
0: A lot of people that believe that Nick Osorio botched it. They botched the tank, the tankathon. And now this is also being botched because if Bryce Young is the guy, and you're not going to get your guy. See, and and if that's the case, somebody's got to pay the price for this ineptitude and dysfunction. And it may be him not being fired, but just them, you know, moving things around and maybe shifting some of the responsibility around, demoting him. I I will
1: put in some context of this, though. Because I feel it's getting somewhat taken out of context. This was around the time that Sean Payton's name was still being thrown around Houston. Yes. And so at the time, it was assumed that this meant, well, if they hire Sean Payton, I'm clearly out. Yes, right. so it was. it was around that time, too, so that there is something to be said that this may just be yes. a red herring and that it was about Sean Payton when he said this, but it could also be that he botched it, and they. either way, they were ready to move on from
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. And my point would be that's his attitude toward yeah. the organization exactly. kind of turning against him. And my point would be now, I think the organization is possible. They
1: are turning against him. Yeah, he may have but, already made phone calls when they were talking about hiring. Yeah, baited. especially
0: now that you're hearing like you know John McLean and Mike Lombardi throw out this kind of stuff. They're like, man, who messed up the Tankathon? Exactly. Well, Should have fired Lovey three games before the last game. and He shouldn't even been there in that position. And,
1: and who didn't get a number one pick when we got the trade and Carolina trade ahead of us? Exactly. And the So Bears, that's yeah. 2 oh, and two.
0: And we know now, Albert Breer, based on this report, they were trying to get that number one overall pick yeah. and they botched the trade too. Yeah, that's three strikes. Mm-hmm. You're out.
1: Yeah, could be could have gotten the Brandon Cooks trade done before the dairy deadline and could, didn't get that done. Either. Yes. It's a lot. It's
0: starting to add up, ain't it? A lot. Starting to add up. <laughs> uh, could I, have what you got... the
1: Sauce Gardner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there go. exactly. there Patrick, he goes. There he goes. Patrick, he's, had he's the, never letting it go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, <started. laughs> he so you got a list. You got a list back there, Patrick? Huh? Just yep. in my
1: brain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, what you got coming up for the people at Harns Dock Life?
2: We got the voice of the Texas Rangers, um, Jared Sadler coming on right now to talk to us about the Rangers. They made a move today. They made two moves, one for the DL and one coming off the DL. Uh, all
0: right, we got uh, baseball coming up, talking hardball with my man Hardball Rangers. Jared Sadler coming up on the other side right here on Hardstock Life. Or well, Hard Hardstock Life? Right here on yeah, yeah. Ball
1: Don't Lie on the home. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. bye
2: you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of folks. but in front of y'all, I'm speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty
4: Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael!
2: Welcome back to the midweek movie theme edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy, Hardball Harge, here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Hardball You can follow my man, Rob Babers, at Rob Babers. And, of course, you can follow the man behind the glass at It's Patrick Davis. We love it when you're a part of the show. Hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. And joining us right now on the Vaquero Cafe and Cantina Hotline, you hear his voice right here on the horn and 101.9 FM and AM 1260. He is the radio play-by-play broadcaster for the 7-4 AL West leading Texas Rangers. He is Jared Sadler. You can follow him at Jared Sadler on Twitter. Uh, Jared, how you doing, buddy?
4: Hey, what's up, fellas? It's great hearing hearing you say the first place Texas Rangers. We haven't (laughs) been able to really say that for a long time. I know, that's right. That's why I wanted to (laughs) make sure I put that
2: in your introduction. It's been tough. As you said, last year the Rangers finished 68-94, 38 games back. And you sit there and you're like, man, they spent a lot of money on that middle infield last year trying to provide some offense. This year they decided to spend some money on the pitching staff with DeGrom and Uvaldi. And Haney came out the other day and tied a Major League record for striking out nine straight batters. I mean, that's been amazing. So what are your first impressions of this year's Texas Rangers?
4: Well, just that they – I I hate to say they're a real team. They've been a real team, but they are a team that legitimately is playing at a level where you could envision them competing for a playoff spot. You know, it's one thing to look at the roster and say, yeah, I think this team's capable of doing that. And, you know, you go to spring training, it's tough to really know what to make of all that. But then now you see them playing meaningful games and, uh, you know, it, it looks like a group that can compete at a high level. Now, you know, we're 11 games in, and baseball's got a, uh, an incredibly lengthy season, and so, you know, you don't make a, a playoff spot after 11 games, but uh, for a, an organization that has just been dying for competitive baseball, uh, they're they're getting that. And, you know, 2019, the Rangers hung around until mid to late July before they started a little bit of a swoon to, you know, play themselves out of contention. But I don't think anyone really looked at that team and thought, yeah, I can see a playoff team here. It was more like, holy cow, how the heck are they, you know, patching this together and and staying in it? So uh, this just looks like a a ball club that's playing a brand of baseball that we haven't seen here uh, in a Rangers uniform in a while. And you mentioned the pitching. I mean, it's just, I don't know that this organization has ever had a rotation uh, as talented and as deep as the rotation that they've put together for the season.
0: And that's kind of where I want to uh, piggyback on, Jared. You had a tweet, and I'm not going to spoil the tweets. I know you can just kind of give us the uh, the stats right now about the, uh, where the where the Rangers rank in terms of starting pitching uh, strikeouts per nine innings. Can you give the folks that stat and give them a little perspective on how stellar that starting pitching staff has been?
4: Yeah, well, you know, obviously you don't want to walk guys, and the Rangers at times – you know, as a whole staff, you know, they struggled with that. Uh, And while strikeouts are not the only thing that matters, it it does, uh, it has played out in recent years where staffs that strike more guys out uh, are typically able to achieve success at a high level at a more sustainable rate. And the reason why is you take out the variable of a ball put in play and that It stands to reason that will be even more important this year now that uh, teams are not able to as creatively position themselves along the infield. So the batting average on balls in play has been up and will likely be up throughout the course of this season compared to previous years. Well, unfortunately for the Rangers, uh, they just haven't had guys who could strike hitters out in their rotation uh, in in recent years. As a matter of fact, if you go back the last nine years and you combine the numbers – And that includes two playoff years, mind you. The Rangers ranked dead last in Major League Baseball in their rotation strikeout rate. And this year, so far, they're at the very top. And again, I know it's one sixteenth of the way through the season and a lot can change, but I don't think there's any reason to believe that as long as this staff can stay relatively healthy, they won't be somewhere in the top five, definitely top ten. And if this staff stays really healthy, I don't know why this staff couldn't be the – uh, the the Kings in the in the big leagues in terms of their ability to strike guys out. You just look at the name, the track record, what they bring to the table. So, you know, if you're looking for numbers that project over the course of the season from this 11-game sample size, I'd say strikeout rate for rotation is one that tends to bode well if you want to take a sample of this size and look at the greater sample of an entire year.
2: And when you mention that, we're talking to Jared Seller. You can follow him at – Jared Sadler on Twitter, when you mention those numbers and you start looking at that pitching staff and what's going on, you also have to look at the fact, too, you have a bunch of guys out there that are playing at a very high level of defense. Even though you have a young Josh Young playing third base, you unfortunately we had the Corey Seager injury that looks like he's going to be out for at least four weeks. But you start looking at this team, and and when they do put the ball in play, you're making plays on the infield for sure. You got good outfield that can go out there and track. You're getting Leotis Tavares uh, back today. Uh, he's going to be activated. By the way, I saw him hit the Grand Slam. I was actually at the game yesterday in Round Rock okay. because they played at uh, they played at noon yesterday, and he looked good. He looked like he was ready to be back in the big league. So I'm excited for him. But that goes back to what you're saying. If you don't have a lot of guys that are going to strike people out, You want to be able to to pick it and be able to catch it across the field.
4: Yeah, no, no doubt. And you know, I think with Laoti, his ticket to being an everyday player is patrolling center field at a high level. Uh, And you know, I think at one point throughout his, I guess, career arc, there there's been thoughts that you know he can be a top of the order guy. Maybe he still can be. He's just 23 years old. That can obviously materialize. But I think you know, the Rangers would be pretty fired up if he was just a league-average offensive player who ran the bases well, but gave you plus defense in center field. And so, hopefully he adds to that. It allows Adolis Garcia to move over to right. Uh, Adolis, who has actually uncharacteristically so gone off to a a wacky start defensively, uh, is a gold-glove caliber outfielder and can do that in center, but it's taxing playing center field every day. And I think just for, you know, his own health, uh, over the course of the marathon season, they'd love to put him in right uh, to preserve the lower half. And so you got Leote can play center. Uh, the guy who's really impressed me, and, and you mentioned Josh Young, and he's absolutely been impressive, but watching Marcus Simeon play second has been a lot of fun. You know, Marcus was a gold glove finalist last year. He won a gold glove two years ago. He got off to a rough start defensively last season, and then really mm-hmm. in the last four months was really sharp there. But. You know, I think it was fair to wonder, hey, what was it gonna look like for Marcus without the shift? And uh, you know, he's one of these guys who the, the the lack of a shift has allowed him to be an athlete. And not that it's necessarily easier, because I think it's easier when you've got three infielders on the right side when the ball's hit that direction. But I think when you look at individual performance, it forces you to be more engaged, it allows you to, to stay loose because you are having to move more, uh not you know it is such a rate where it's taxing but to where it's uh, it's refreshing almost and you know he's commented on that he said that you know not having three infielders on one side has almost forced him to step his game up and uh, you know i think it's been a lot of fun to watch him play up the middle defensively at second
2: yeah that's a beautiful crew up the middle of the field i remember when we were talking in spring training I was sitting there watching them during warmups and just watching them get their early work in and I'm like these guys both of them talking about Seeger as well both of these guys can be gold glove middle infielders and I know that that's something that when the when the Rangers signed both of these guys, that was something not only for their offense, but they were also looking at their defense as well. So it's an exciting time in Arlington. As you said, one sixteenth of the season. But when you start looking at the team and how they're coming together, I think that's a big, big move. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the new additions on the bench. When you talk about a Bruce Bochy, you talk about Mike Maddox coming in and working with these guys, both being calming voices. I think this has been very, very impressive start for the Texas Rangers.
4: Yeah. And, and I want to just add, if I can expand on the bench, I, I think it's, yes, Bruce Bochy, uh absolutely big impact. Tough to quantify, but it's it's real. Uh, Mike Maddox, again, tough to know what sort of an impact he's having uh, on this pitching staff, but I, I can assure you that there is an impact. It is a positive one. But I also want to go to just the the bench in terms of players. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you look at teams that that compete for a playoff spot. I mean, heck, look at the Astros the last several years. These are teams that the guys who are not in their their a lineup, guys who either are part of platoons or guys who uh, are, are you know definitely not everyday players. Or even semi-regular players. A lot of times, they're guys who would start on maybe ten teams in the league. Uh, they're guys who, when they're in the lineup, yeah, they're probably not going to, you know, produce at the level of the guys who are playing over them. But they're not just total black holes in the lineup. They're not automatic outs. They're not liabilities. And if you look at the Rangers bench: Josh Smith, who now is going to be an everyday player; Ezekiel Duran; you got Bubba Thompson; Travis Jankowski. These are all guys who they bring something legitimate to the table. And I think the depth that this, this organization has created, not just at the big league level, but then through the minor leagues, has been an incredibly important part of their ability to take a step forward. And then you got a guy like Bruce Bochy who's got an opportunity to now play with that depth, something that he did so well when he was with San Francisco and, again, prior to that uh, in San Diego. Uh, you allow him more toys to play with and – Uh, you're going to see the type of impact that he can have as a manager within a game on a day-to-day basis.
2: Hey, before we let you go, I want you – and that was great stuff right there about the bench and the players that are there to provide the depth. And as you said, Josh Smith is now going to end up being the everyday shortstop. Are they going to play him at short, or are they going to move Simeon over to short?
4: Yeah, no, they'll play Josh at short. You know, Marcus last year made it pretty clear that uh he much preferred to just play a position you know and and when Corey got days off they would move him to short early in the year and he didn't really like that he just he wants to play a position he wants to get as much work and focus in on that one position so i think you'll see josh smith there you'll see ezekiel duran there you know it's not to say in a pinch you might not see marcus there i would just say he's not the first or second option uh but whenever you lose a guy like Corey seager the situation is very fluid uh and you know you might see some some things you didn't plan on seeing but I think the the primary plan is for Josh Smith and Ezekiel Duran to share the 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 shortstop responsibility.
2: I love it. I love it. Before we let you go I want you to talk a little bit about your children's charity, the Sandlots uh children's charity. Give us a little bit of information and tell people where to go.
4: Oh that's yeah, it's really kind of you. Thank you so much. Uh yeah, the Sandlot Children's Charity, we raise money for kids with physical and intellectual disabilities so that they have opportunities to get involved in athletic programming, uh, which helps them address a major need of health and wellness, but also uh, will allow them to have some of the same experiences that, you know, we all had playing sports growing up, making friends, gaining skills, building confidence, uh, you know, developing uh, relationships, leadership skills, all that stuff, which is incredibly important for these kids uh, to, you know, have the best opportunity to, to have the best life on a, a daily basis. And, you know, just because they have what we characterize as disabilities doesn't mean that they don't have the potential to do great things and uh, be, you know, incredible members of, of their communities. And, uh, you know, I, being around these kids, they're, it's tough not to have a good day. And uh, it's it's been a tremendous blessing to uh, learn and, and, and integrate in, you know, these various communities with these amazing kids. And, uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to have so many people in the community here at DFW and beyond, uh, support the charity and help us grow. Uh, the, the website is the sandlot.org. Uh, a lot of our information is there. I, I tweet out plenty of stuff as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sandlot.org and, and people can just reach out to me on Twitter at Jared Sandler if they have any questions about getting involved or how they can contribute.
2: I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for taking the time and make sure that everybody goes and follow him. And he'll be on the air today talking a little bit of baseball. Y'all still playing the the Royals, right?
4: So yeah, Royals today at tonight, off tomorrow, and then we uh, take on the Astros in Houston this weekend. Rod, are you? Go do I remember this, Rod? Are you an Astros fan? Yes, brother, I am. <laughs> I, I don't want to bring it up, man. I don't want to. Yeah. I, I don't want to disrespect you <laughs> like that.
0: So I don't want to bring it up. That's all. <laughs>
4: yeah, I, Rod, you know, you know, you got a special place in my heart. Uh, I always love chatting with you. I just, I, I. You got this blemish, and I don't know how to overcome. I can't reconcile it in my head.
0: I feel the same way about my Aggie friends, so it's all good. It's all good.
4: You know, I I'm married an Aggie, and I agree with you. I, I can't get my school
2: at all. There he is, man.
4: Oh, thanks, Jared. Jared. We
2: appreciate you, and we'll definitely have you on again. And hopefully, it's continuing where I can bring you on and say the AL West leading Texas Rangers.
0: Right.
4: And I appreciate it, fellas. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You I too, appreciate brother. you, my man.
0: That's good stuff. That, that is good Aggie. stuff. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, hey, yeah. I will say the Aggie, got, everybody knows this. Aggie's got some good-looking women. Though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we talk a lot of trash on the Aggies. But it's mostly
2: the, towards the guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That is very true. Yeah, the Yale leaders. The Yale that. leaders, that's right. Uh, all right, good stuff there from uh, Jared Sandler for Hard Stock Life. We come back. We'll get into this Michael Jordan story. Uh, man, how much are Jordans worth, apparently? Uh. A whole hell of a lot of straight cash, homie. We'll discuss that on the other side for off the record right here on Ball Don't Lie. I wanna four down the horns. D D mega doodoo I'm sorry Mangudu. once it's turned on the sign will spell out Delhi cat Essen
3: well I don't a day and comb. well congratulations continue good sex in the big,
2: sex in the big East thank you Jimmy
3: and boom goes the dynamite
2: it's time for another edition of off the record
4: do it live I can I'll write it and we'll do it live
3: and <laughs> thing sucks
0: all right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time to get into an uh, off-the-record here. And uh, this is an MJ-related off-the-record story. I'm talking about the GOAT, Michael Jordan. So how about this, gentlemen? A pair of Jordans. And how did you go know about this story because you sent it uh, to me a couple mm. days ago? A pair of Jordans worn by Michael Jordan during his final championship run with the Chicago Bulls. Sold at auction for $2.2 million. That's right. A pair of shoes that MJ wore <laughs> during his final championship run with the Bulls sold for $2.2 million. Uh, surpassing the record for the most valuable sneakers ever sold in auction house at Sotheby's uh auction in on Tuesday. The Air Jordan 13s, which Jordan wore in game two. Game two. Game two. Game it wasn't even the, the, the deciding it game. It wasn't even the flu game. It wasn't what game two. No. Okay. Oh,
1: got ni- no champagne on. <laughs> <laughs> got yeah, no dude. champagne. Of
0: oh, the 98 NBA Finals against the Jazz, it sold for the highest publicly recorded price for a pair of sneakers. Uh, and the historic sneakers were worn during the most recognizable season of Jordan's storied career, which helped secure his legacy as the GOAT, is what it says here. But, yeah, $2.2 million, guys. I, I never owned a pair of Jordans until I got to the NFL and I had a Nike, like a merchandising deal yep, with Nike, yep, yep. and that's when I had my first pair of Jordans. But until then, I never, I never could afford Jays. And honestly, when I was growing up in the hood, you didn't really want Jays. You didn't want Jays. You didn't want a starter. You thought you did, but then they brought a whole lot of unwanted attention. And when you start hearing about people getting jacked for their Jays in the hood, and jacked for starter jackets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you thought, you thought, you know, you thought about that a little bit more. Yeah, I have second yeah. thoughts about the start. Is it worth to get the Jays to look that cool for a day until I gotta either fight for my Jays or I gotta run to keep my Jays?
2: <laughs> that is a good point. Oh, you gonna fight or run? Oh, and most can... of
0: the time you running. I wonder if you
2: gonna come up out of them shoes, exactly. bro? You gonna be running so
0: fast? Go. can't get with me, dog. So I never. Had... When'd you get your first Jays?
2: You don't want to know. Oh, uh, you, you hit that league early though. No, I. I had it in middle school.
0: You had J's in middle school?
2: I had J's
0: in middle school. I don't even know what you was doing to get J's in middle school. Hey man. Did your mama know you had J's in middle school? Mm-hmm. I was about to say, yeah. No. I a, I, no mama ain't buying no J's in middle school. No, I had
2: J's because That's crazy. And it's funny because I didn't get the red and black play, play um the red and white and black. I remember those. I didn't get those. I had the black and blue ones. My middle school basketball team was red. I bought the blue ones. Did you wear them when you I didn't... wore them regular. <laughs> I wore them regular. I was like, they ain't even the right color, but I'm gonna wear them. That's before I them. even knew. You know what I'm saying? You oh, didn't yeah. know wow. that Michael was gonna be that. You knew he was gonna be good. You knew he had a shoe and they were fly. Wow. But let's not forget, Michael Jordan broke his foot in those shoes. Let's not forget that in the very beginning. Uh, Everybody wants to think about, oh, these shoes shit. are so great. Mike broke his foot. In them shoes.
0: That is true. That's a good point. You know nah, what I'm saying? Man. I didn't think about that. But you're right. You saw the movie.
2: I did. You saw see the movie. movie. I give, did.
0: Give without spoilers, because you're not B and E. But for some reason. Nine e Hogan, out of ten. He Hogan loves to spoil stuff for people talking about shit. Nine, Nine out of ten.
2: Nine out of ten? Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Because nobody's perfect.
0: Um, you know what? That does track, cause I would say it's South by Southwest. They were talking about it, and they said it was getting like standing ovations from people. It was
2: out stand like a movie that I would go back to, to the, the theaters
0: to see to watch again because wow. there
2: might have been something that I missed and, through that time.
0: And you know why I believe that too? Cuz I think Ben Affleck is behind the scenes on and only starting in and when Ben Affleck does something behind the scenes, it's usually pretty damn good. It was outstanding. As an actor, actor, you can question whether he's a great actor or yes. not, but when he gets into being a producer or a director in something or writing something.
2: He was great as Phil Knight. It usually is pretty damn good. You believed he was Phil Knight. Yeah. Okay. From the stories from the past where you 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 hear stories about how Phil Knight used to be and kind of quirky and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Spot on.
0: Well, eccentric. He's he's got money. Eccentric. That's right. When you're broke, you're quirky. Yeah. When you're when you got money, you're eccentric. Eccentric. Yeah, yeah. I want to uh, <laughs> <laughs> be eccentric. We all do. We we all want right to be now, eccentric. We want to be eccentric. Right now, we're quirky. We're weird. Yeah. That's because we're broke. Yeah. When you got money, you're eccentric. Elon Musk, eccentric. Eccentric. There you go. I right, we come back. We'll get into uh, the play in review. The Lakers and Hawks victories. Also, we'll uh, preview OKC and New Orleans, Chicago versus Toronto. Coming up next, right here on Ball Don Line, horn.